We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the RotoWire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you. Mario, it's National Donut Day. Have, oh, you, no. have you indulged just yet? Yeah, I had one. I didn't know it was National Donut Day. Otherwise, I would have hoarded a few before the rest of the people got into the office. I only got one, unfortunately, just for kind of a regular day instead of a National Donut Day. Yeah, it's funny. The guy that that brought them in actually just did that out of the goodness of his own just being. And then I I told him and he's like, oh, well, that works. Yeah, and normally, you know, once a month or two or whatever, someone will bring in uh, whatever that normal big boxes you know that's out. i don't know how many that is it's if, usually a dozen yeah so chris got not just a dozen but another smaller box too mm-hmm. so he, he got he must have gotten like 18 or something and it's like chris what would what would you have done if you had known it was national would you have got brought like 36 donuts or something Isn't like it? it's it's I mean, already a, good, a bit he's much he's a good guy you know, yeah so. i know I just, it's like i'm just wondering like how deep is this well like your donut enthusiasm like how out of hand can it get? I um, spent uh, definitely, definitely not company time. Definitely not, but like half an hour today on on the Frinkiac, the uh, the Simpsons website that has yeah. every scene, and just kind of created a giant Twitter thread of Simpsons donuts moments. Some of my favorite Simpsons. That donuts only took moments. you a half hour. Uh, you know, we're being conservative here. On you must, on the you must have omitted a lot. Of oh yeah, donut scenes. I, I still plan on adding to it. Okay. Uh, but it started out with a strong seven. That there's the the gif of of Homer chucking the uh, the poison eclair at uh, Hans Molman's food 
station and it exploding. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> when the Frenchman tried to get him. Um, so you had the 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 like Godfather thing, right? The mafia boss. Oh wait, oh from uh, the Godfather, yeah. Uh, I from Don wait. Homer. Haven't gotten that one yet. The I got weeping the... Italian woman. Like, <laughs> the donuts. Molto bene. Yeah. Um, um, that and the one or the the nightmare, I guess, where the donuts eat him. Yes, yeah, the uh, the planet of the donuts, and they're sentencing him to death, and his lawyer comes to his defense, and then he just starts eating his lawyer. <laughs> yeah, so I actually missed that thread. I guess I'll uh, I'll do that during the podcast. Okay, very good. Uh, so if you hear any laughter, uh, that's where that's from. But we'll get into some NFL today, and then it is June, so things are a little bit light as far as uh, actionable news goes as far as NFL is concerned. So we, Mario and I have had our heads in the sand doing a lot of our college football content, getting us ready. Uh, Yahoo uh, projections will be out a little bit later on this month when Yahoo launches their game. So we've been hard at work getting that all sorted out. So we'll be getting into that a little bit later in the podcast. But starting things out, uh, Mario, to no one's surprise that, that this was going to happen eventually, but Maybe a little bit surprising it happened before uh, his fourth season, but Carson Wentz uh, kind of gets locked up with the Eagles for for the foreseeable future. He's going to be there through 2024. I think his 107 plus million guaranteed sets the new record, which I guess is sort of the new style. If, if you're going to give your quarterback a contract, you got to keep up with the Joneses and make sure that he has more guaranteed money than the last guy. So that's what the Eagles did. Yeah, it's uh, I guess getting to the point where the the quarterback. Uh, the elite quarterback not to say that Carson Wentz is elite necessarily but that elite quarterback market the pursuit of the the idealized elite quarterback has led to these totally out of control prices and it's kind of getting to the point where it, it almost reminds me of the NFL draft before they had the rookie pay scale in it where it was just like this is not sustainable yeah, Sa- I don't know Sam how Bradford it ends walks in as the richest man in the NFL yeah and it's like I, I don't know what exactly this is headed toward I don't think it's going to be like you know major league baseball where we'll have like a you know uh i don't think like matt ryan's gonna be i know he's under contract for a while but i was just trying to think of somebody there's not gonna be like a free agent really good like solidly pro bowl quarterback who's just like unemployed because he's demanding two years from now like 37 million dollars a year and no team is willing to pay it even though the last guy who got a contract was like 35 million or whatever a year and uh eventually nfl owners and gms are going to collude on this though like they they almost have to because it's like you if this keeps going the way it does unless they you know increase the cap faster than the uh the increases in cost of these quarterbacks go but it's like you can see the eagles signing him sooner than people expected to avoid whatever it would be a year from now being the number that they lock in uh to me what's interesting is like the whole narrative that like if as long as you're not the Patriots and, you know, the whole Tom Brady thing, like they, they just kind of operate on their own thing. But the the Vogue thing now is win while your star quarterback is on his rookie deal. So yeah. basically the Eagles have already done that, but they didn't do it because of Wentz necessarily. Obviously he got uh, hurt towards the end of their Super Bowl run uh, year and Nick Foles took over, but they got basically two more years of cheap. I don't, I don't seen exactly how this is structured, um, where where the guarantees and the price or the salary escalation kicks in, but I assume he is going to be a little bit cheaper than uh, er, over these next two seasons than he will, you know, once twenty twenty one kicks in. Is that Probably. Correct? I mean, I, so I didn't look st- at it. Yeah. So they won't be completely hamstrung over these next two years, but it does, you know, kind of. St- 
start a very like finite close to the window where like they're not going to be able to have a stacked roster and pay Carson Wentz. I mean, that's just not really feasible. And and even with like the growth rates of the salary cap, like you mentioned, it's still not going to be quite enough to have a loaded roster and paying 37 plus million for your quarterback. Yeah, it's and that's go like too macro on everything. But I, I can't imagine this trend is great for like the labor solvency of the league because the owners are rich people, so they are categorically insane hoarders, and they will always feel entitled to more. They're not going to concede anything to subsidize something to to make the league more solvent. And yet, um, you, we're already seeing like this tension. Like the league's like, oh, "Give us eighteen games," and the players are like, "No," and <laughs> we'll die. And um, yeah, there's there's this this whole thing of uh, you know. N- society wide there's a stratification occurring that just isn't sustainable and uh yeah the quarterback's getting that much money it's like either either we're gonna have very open collusion by teams or to to like stop the uh the the exact same way that they did when there was a no cap season like that was collusion because there was no cba or whatever it was and yet uh they penalized dallas for signing players as if the cap weren't there and if they're willing to do that, then it's to- they totally have the apparatus, the the means, the logistics in place to just say like, all right, no one's signing any quarterbacks, uh, and like one team could go against it, but it's like even th- they would be like the suckers in that case because they would be the ones who weren't get getting in on the savings basically. So they'll all be invested in it, and I don't know if we're gonna have quarterbacks sitting out or if we're gonna have other players holding out at a pace that teams can't really afford to pay them. Like I don't, I don't know if we're gonna have like defensive ends sitting out seasons or something like that but it's just uh yeah it's it's crazy to watch and i don't know what the way of the future i don't know what the sustainable long-term plan is because it's like the approach right now is different than the approach even like four years ago it's like you're getting these little two-year windows or three-year windows where something's the obviously correct approach and then the cap changes or the market changes or the player pool changes and things kind of get flipped over and it's like I don't know if the Eagles have a bigger plan than just it was hard to find a really good quarterback. Let's just pay him and hope it works out for the best. And in in the meantime, what's the worst that can happen? They buy a lot of Carson Wentz jerseys because he's a good, famous quarterback. It's mm-hmm. like it's good for the owner in that that sense. But yeah, I just don't know what these quarterback numbers like. The Chiefs might want to think about extending Mahomes like before this year because maybe not before this year maybe after this year when he has his obvious regression then try to sign him uh, but they don't want to wait till he's on his last year businessman yeah they don't want to <laughs> yeah i'll uh i'll buy the lower price over here <laughs> yeah they're the same i'll take the lower price one um but yeah they're they're gonna be in a what are they gonna be looking at like 40 million a year or something if they wait two Definitely years that, i think that's that's where it, that's where it's heading yeah i don't know what you do with that especially because it's what, that's got to be approaching like half the cap or something like that i don't know I'm much the cap do you think there's like an incentive uh at least like on the quarterbacks like a little bit of pressure to get one of these contracts on the books as soon as possible because of the potential you know they they go back to the bargaining table for the cba in 2021 yeah i don't know probably want to lock that in pronto could be yeah i I really don't know it's 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 as much as i feel like i've watched the nfl for a long time and i feel like you know obviously quarterbacks were always paid the most it still feels like this is kind of a uncharted sort of territory and i don't know if anyone can know for sure how it's going to work out because 
it's just it's a it's an ecosystem and there's there's things changing in ways that we've we've not seen before and it at, with timing and scales that we haven't seen before and it could just get kind of weird i don't know but i i don't i wouldn't worry about the eagles like having their team undone by this contract or anything it's just more like it might be hard to go from a nine and seven ten and six type team to like a clear you know super bowl contender if you have this kind of contract on the books yeah exactly um so let's move on to another topic uh, i'm gonna kind of defer to you here as far as educating me on it because uh, I, I didn't get a chance to to look too deeply into this but uh, you said that there's a little bit something more going on in kansas city regarding tyreek hill now well, there just is this article that came across saying that the criminal investigation into the child abuse allegation had not been reopened. And I don't know what t- timeline we're talking here, uh, but uh, some uh, somebody told the Kansas City Star that it's not an active investigation. And I don't know how much any of that really is actionable because it's like NFL uh like, like Goodell does not need a conviction. He doesn't even need a charge to give you a suspension for some kind of perceived or alleged misconduct. So um, that there's no criminal, uh, formal criminal court element doesn't mean anything. But it's also hard to tell like what the what Goodell considers his interest in this case because Goodell's basic basic job is to do what some powerful plurality of the owners want him to do because as long as he has a plurality and in his favor they say he stays commissioner even if the other owners hate him and he's he's willing to go to all kinds of war with jerry jones we know that uh and jerry jones presumably is not well liked by the other owners outside of his ability to you know sometimes make a lot of money for them but uh in the competitive sense and as a person they probably hate him so yeah the other owners were like hell yeah suspend ezekiel elliott for whatever it's just you know, don't need charge, uh, just suspend him. Um, that's why like they're, they're, I'm kind of nervous about how they're looking into Ezekiel Elliott for, uh, walking near that guy who, uh, did the Vladi Divac. Yeah. Uh, did, did quite the flop there. Yeah. Not a, not a convincing flop at all. And, uh, yet it's already being investigated by Goodell. Um, but I can't tell is whether he would look at Mahomes and the kind of brand that he has. I don't know what the chiefs mean to him and I don't know what, it's like uh, a classic franchise. Yeah, just I can't tell if he would take a different standard on Tyreek Hill because it's like that would compromise the brand of the the five thousand yard, fifty touchdown, uh, first year starting quarterback, and uh, he otherwise might not hate you know the Chiefs ownership. Uh, so that you know the Ezekiel Elliott thing, it was easy because he hates Jerry Jones, all the owners do. But I don't know if he's going to have that kind of uh, standard with Hill because if he did, it would be open and shut. Like if Ezekiel Elliott had been accused of something like this, he would have been suspended like the whole year. Um, this this is worse, and given the precedent with Hill, I don't understand how they can have this recording. Which, as far as I know, I could be wrong, and I, I apologize if I am. But this, I feel like this would have been a big story if it had been reported. No one seems to be disputing that that recording of him saying, you need to worry about me too, bitch. Like, no one's disputing that that's real. So if he's on tape saying that, and this woman who is going back and forth with between cooperating with authorities on this investigation, you know, that that's super common with stuff like this, too. It will be it because they're going back and forth on, you know, being charmed back in by the by the abuser or because it's. It, there are shakedowns that happened. It could be that so he could have paid up somehow, whatever currency it is that she was after. Those kinds of things can determine whether people keep cooperating with authorities. 
And that tape, though, was not disputed. And we know he assaulted that woman when she was pregnant uh, like five years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see what is going on here other than the Chiefs were all along planning to just try to like put their heads down, see if they could power ahead and just keep them on the field and, and like basically test the public protest and response. And I don't know. It's like people are kind of already getting bored with it. Maybe there won't be a big public response, but there also might be once it, if, the, if it gets closer to training camp and like some, you know, some, some media outlets start putting headlines on it, things can change really quick. And the thing is, I don't think the league can go halfway on enforcing a penalty here. I think they either have to did not basically ignore that it happened at all. Uh, don't acknowledge it, give no penalty, or they have to suspend them basically for life. Because if they concede that there's any sort of merit to this, that you can't you can't say like, well, he only kind of broke a kid's arm. He only kind of beat a woman that he already beat when he was pregnant. You can't concede that happened and then say like four, six game suspension. They have the only way this works, I think, is if they they successfully just completely deny all of it. And I, I don't know. It's it's really weird. I think the Chiefs, if if it were a less important player, he would have been cut. Like Kareem Hunt got cut for less than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I mean, obviously there was a tape of him like shoving that woman and kicking her or whatever. But it was, I mean, I'm sorry, it's nothing like the Tyree Kill situation. It's not even close. Nope. Uh, so I don't know where it's going. I'm still not buying Tyree Kill, but uh, I guess we gotta kind of concede that he. At the very least, the Chiefs are going to try to get him to play all year. And the NFL may or may not be in on it too and I, I don't know how to guess where that goes yeah we'll see how hot the water gets as far as the nfl goes because the nfl will kind of turn on a team no matter no matter who it is in 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 the interest of looking better to the public i think overall yeah so i have to believe that's what they're doing they're weighing like how much do we how much do we stand to lose with the branding of mahomes and the story that he provides us um, how much does it hurt our NFL brand and how much do the how much how dependent are we on the Chiefs brand as far as that goes and what will the public backlash but I think they're still feeling it out and I think they're going to keep just kind of keeping their mouths shut until there is again that kind of headline in maybe August or July that like here he is in training camp and then it maybe people still keep not caring I mean but it also might unleash all kinds of hell I mean not that like you want to apply like a scale to this by any means but and I, I don't expect there to to be the the sort of magic bullet uh, video the way there was with Ray Rice. But when the Ray Rice video came out, it was like, okay, if if we let him play another down, like we are in serious trouble from a PR perspective. Like we just cannot do that. So, do you think that maybe by the time that August rolls around and Tyree Kill is being a full participant in training camp, that 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 the outcry from the public reaches that type of uh, level? Yeah, I don't know because uh, it depends on how the media portrays it too. Like if outside like the, the lines, mm-hmm. like if outside the lines start comes out with like a surprise a story about like things that they've been looking into, and and you know it generates newspaper headlines, like some report that generates more headlines, it could catch on. You know, like napalm basically. Like it, there there will be no way out for the Chiefs if that happens. I think what they're doing right now is just kind of sneaking past the sleeping bear and just seeing what happens. And, uh, I don't know. I, I really don't like we're, we're a pretty jaded, messed up, uh, cynical, uh, monstrous society. And I can imagine, uh, if, if people find there's like some sort of threshold where it's like the entertainment value of the player does come in. And it's like, 
if if the like the cumulative societal view of Hill is like he's so fun to watch, dude. Who cares? <laughs> like that's that's something that could come out, and just as easily there could be some group of interests that come out and say like, no way, we're not letting this happen. And if they raise enough hell about it, the team, the NFL, will eventually have to give in. But basically, I think right now they're waiting to see if anyone calls them on it, and because they they're just like they're uh, for the Chiefs too. That's probably almost like. Oh no! Fair. We just cut Kareem Hunt. This shouldn't count. <laughs> like that's that's probably part of their mindset too. Is it's like they, they already feel like they've uh, been absolved of their sins, and they think like this is bull crap. Just th- th- he's too good, and we already cut a guy who was good who beat women. And um, yeah, I, I, it, they obviously didn't cut either one because they cared. They were just trying to anticipate the public penalty for employing either one. And after one, they're just like they're feeling like all right. I'm I'm willing to see how hot this stove is. Yeah. Oh God, that is because uh... like if someone disputes that tape, that recording of him saying, "And you need to worry about me too, bitch." If 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 no one's disputing that, I don't understand what I'm missing here. Like that's pretty clear what's going on there. If that's a true recording of him, right? So whatever. I don't know. It's um, I definitely have to lower like Mecole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle in the rankings a little bit because at this point I think it's pretty clear the Chiefs are going to try to sneak him in. Oh boy, that's that's some uplifting stuff. Uh, yeah. No, that that was a good breakdown. Though. I appreciate you uh, doing that. Uh, let's let's shift some gears here. So uh, we've been we've been uh, working working away on those uh, college football projections. Uh, you've been working on the Pac-12 uh, specifically of late. Um, has there been any big surprises for you uh, from like the the sort of larger sense of players that you might not have uh, expected to have the, these high of projections that you find yourself really kind of uh, liking at the, at this stage? Anyone that you might you know someone that's kind of held in it in a high regard public or in like the greater public that maybe you're a little bit lower lower on than some so i wasn't really able to follow college football last year i was just kind of too swamped with the nfl stuff and this is weird for me like I, it used to be the thing that i followed primarily here at rotowire and uh it's weird because it's like I, I i see some names that i recognize some coaches that i recognize but it's like I, I look away for a few months and then i look and it's like the pac-12 is good at defense now what the hell is going on? Um, I don't know if that's something that'll keep going, but it's like there's still clearly some pretty strong offenses despite uh, teams like Cal and you know Washington and Washington State and Utah. The, the, brand, the rebrand of, of Cal has been wild under Justin Wilcox over the last couple of years. Like they, they couldn't have thrown the ball more under uh, was it was a Sonny Dykes. Yeah. And, and now like yeah they just well they throw it a lot but just to their running backs and that's about it yeah i would really resent that change if i was a cal fan because i know wilcox is a great defensive coordinator but it's just like uh 20 21.5 points per game can like, you believe it's that? it's not worth like our, our good defense is not worth these seven wins no i i i do not like defense generally if this is what it leads to it's like just just it leads to the cheese it bowl i don't know if you watch the cheese it bowl it, it's got like a cult internet like this is the tcu one yeah okay yeah that uh sounds pretty good and appropriately named but um i might just kind of try to try my best to remain ignorant of that one formerly the motel six bowl oh well they're bad i prefer cheese it it was yeah okay that's a a decent snack yeah motel six they're uh they're snitches they they uh they they sicked ice on uh their workers uh oh god yeah, Motel Six are pigs. Uh, I'm glad they're uh, they're not 
they're not uh, sponsoring my prized now cheese it bowl. It's funny, like it's not that funny, but it's a little funny that 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 element about Motel Six and then the the bowl game takes place in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 like they were. I don't know. I hope I hope cheese it just like uh, didn't have to compensate them in any way to to get the name i hope they i hope they just uh do they have a mascot they don't i know che- the cheetah is for cheetos right i think it, it just has a zany it, guy or yeah, something. That, that wheel of cheese that, that tells oh, oh i hate that ad campaign that's right <laughs> i know that's the point of it they're supposed i don't remember the exact frame but they're I'm supposed to cheese they're like you hate this cheese character but our crackers are not the same as that and yeah. that was supposed to be uh <laughs> they're aged they're yeah. aged cheese. oh they're mature they're, mat- they're yeah. they're more mature that's mm-hmm. right okay well cheese um, talk here yeah that 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 checks out now um but yeah where where was i um oh, we're, ta- we're talking a little pack oh the pack 12 so yeah um i don't know it's it's like there's there's a few players that i i although there's like the inverted khalil tate from the last time that i remember him when it was like this is like Michael Vick and a half or something like yeah, he's doing awesome. nine yards a carry a billion yards. And then Kevin, Sum- I don't know if it was that ankle last year or if Kevin Sumlin said like, you need to grow up and stop being good at things. I think it was both, but like, okay. I don't rem- I don't necessarily remember someone like suppressing a player's running ability, like especially if it was working at, at A&M. So I do think that Tate's ankle injury that he sustained in the first game probably hampered him up until October at least or something. Okay. Um, so I still have faith in, in a bounce back. I think yeah, I, I'd put some arbitrary marker down, and, and from from like week seven or week eight on, he was like a top fifteen quarterback or something. Because so yeah, like he did he, totally good as a passer. Was, yeah, so he with no good receivers, right? And that might be an enduring concern, but at least they got um the rookie. What's his or not the rookie? The uh, the freshman who's a pretty is it? Uh, I should just pull up my spreadsheet here, but uh. I think it was is it like Jalen Nixon or something? I might be thinking of the Utah guy, um, but uh, they got the one. F- uh, it's like a four-star freshman guy coming in, and then um, let's see, it was Cedric Peterson, and maybe they, they lost Devon Cooper, who was like their downfield guy. He got kicked off the team. So uh, I hope I hope that T- Tate has some help because I, I think he's good. Um, I don't know if he's like NFL good or something, but I basically feel like his season last year was. In just like unforgivable ripoff <laughs> it, it was it was i mean like he was going number one overall in fantasy right. drafts. and how could you not project him there like what what precedent is there to say like this guy will play pretty much the whole year but he'll have a uh, one-sixth the rushing yardage that he did the year before yeah like i, I can buy into like some like a, a schematic change leading to some concern and you know maybe you go like a safer like a running back route or something but at the same time man like there was no way to see that coming last year right and in college fantasy football guys like that do happen every so often and it's like if, if there's a case keenum or a you know colin klein tim tebow kind of guy out there and you don't have them that's just like a 18 point handicap that you're looking at that week right off the bat mm-hmm. like those guys who can put up like 50 points nick fitzgerald last year or last or yeah years. guys like that it's just it's like it's crippling to go against them even if the guy you go against because the guy you go against could still just play some running back who's playing whatever illinois or something even if it's even if it's a, like an 800 yard player the rest of the year um but in any case uh they got a really good running back on that team jj taylor and i it's one of those things where 
I think he's really, really good, but I don't know how many carries they can keep putting on a guy. He's basically like Tariq Cohen sized, and they gave him uh, 21 and a quarter carries per game last year. So where'd you come out with on uh, Nathan Tilford? Because he was a really high. I think he was their top recruit in there. Oh, he's that he's there like the third running back projected right now, I think. And I don't know what to make. Kind of fell flat then. Well, it seems like he must be a bit of a head case or something because, yeah, he was a really good recruit and he's been very explosive on a per touch basis. But there was that weird thing where after being explosive off the bench as a freshman, I don't know if it was the spring or the fall. But with him, there was just like this report going into his sophomore year where it was just like the team's kind of just sick of him or like some someone might have. I don't know if it was someone or somebody else or if there was a totally legitimate reason for them to be soured on him. I don't know. Um, I can't remember the other running back that they have, but I projected him as the third guy, even though it seems like he's, you know, the most athletically talented of them it's like taylor is the one who's got some talent and a ton of skill too yes yeah i don't know if i don't know if tilford's gonna be like playing really boy that's that's disappointing i I had some pretty high hopes for him uh let's shift gears to probably like the most prominent uh fantasy player within the conference and one of the most prominent players overall eno benjamin of of arizona state of course so he's going into a year where obviously he blew up last year one of the one of the most productive rushers in all of college football but he was also playing alongside or playing it within an offense, not super explosive, but it did have an experienced quarterback in Manny Wilkins and it had a, an obvious ace receiver in, in, in Keel Harry. Yeah. Both of those guys are gone now. So those are two kind of anchoring factors that, that keep defenses honest. Won't really get the benefit of that as much this year. I mean, they could be playing a true freshman quarterback. So mm-hmm. where did you land with, with uh, Benjamin and how did you kind of see tentatively how the, that quarterback situation might shake out? Well, with Benjamin, it's one of those things where I'd like to see a guy doing, you know, 5.8, six yards a carry or something. I think he was at 5.4 or something like that last year. And you don't like to see a quarterback and a receiver like Wilkins and Harry leaving. I think they might have some slight questions on the offense. I might, I can't remember if their offensive line has any questions, but if it was either them or Arizona did. Arizona uh, almost certainly does. Okay, yeah, annual tradition, I guess. Um, but in any case, Benjamin's like a legitimately good, and then B, he's going to get pretty much overworked. So yeah, he, that's not like, bad. He's going to be like pushing Jonathan Taylor for the most rushes. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's not great for him, probably his interest. But in college fantasy football, we're we're talking a twelve game timeline. Who cares if you can get that kind of workload? It's basically uh you know top grade asset right there so Mm -hmm. i projected about uh like 1600 1700 yards from scrimmage and 13 touchdowns from scrimmage for benjamin i like that so that sounds about right yeah and for taylor it was it was a little bit less uh i'm guessing it's let's see it's uh jj taylor that is. yeah jj taylor of arizona it was about 1500 yards from scrimmage 11 touchdowns from scrimmage he's got a bit of a fumbling history too that he's got a get a little like he, they're not going to bench him or anything but it's a it's the kind of thing that could stop him at 15 carries in a game if he if he fumbles like the second time in two weeks or something like that um but yeah the, the arizona receivers i've or the arizona state receivers they uh kyle williams and um brandon Ayuk. brandon Ayuk seem pretty good but i just don't know about the quarterback like it's bad that uh sterling cole is that his name yeah he's like a fifth year guy and he still was nowhere near playing the last two years so that's not good yeah, and wilkins as good as yeah. he was it was not some kind of world beater and it's not like i mean last year they had a new coaching staff come in so 
you figure everyone had a clean slate and yes Wilkins had starting experience over Sterling Cole but if Sterling Cole was the better quarterback he would have played yeah so he's he's a former high recruit seems pretty athletically talented but I don't think there's much there so Jaden Daniels is this freshman quarterback I didn't project him as the primary player but I I did project basically like eight games for Sterling Cole and four for Jaden Daniels and if if it was like my bet to plays I would just bet on Jaden Daniels and, and not invest in either basically yeah, I think that's fair. I, I might be a little bit more optimistic on Daniels, but like I'm also like uh, very much like a mosquito when I when I see a bright light. Like I'm just drawn to it. And when, he's interesting for when sure. It's, when it's like a true freshman quarterback starting, like I'm, I'm, I'm you know, you have uh, my undivided attention. Also, the Arizona receiver I couldn't think of was Jalen Curry. So if there's like a freshman hit at receiver, I guess it would be him, perhaps in the conference. Okay, speaking of receiver. This is a position, it worked last year, obviously, with Dylan Mitchell, but there's a lot of questions regarding these skill guys around Justin Herbert. I think from like a, a team context yeah, and, and a competitiveness context, like I think Oregon, if they beat Auburn to start the season, they could make a push for the playoff. But from a fantasy perspective, you know, people are going to be drawn to the guys that uh, are around Justin Herbert, but a lot of them ha- are, you know, not without their warts. Yeah, I was going to, uh, if not Jalen Curry or some USC guy or something like that, I guess it would be Micah Pittman that you'd be looking for as far as uh, Pac-12 freshman receivers because Micah, brother of Michael, son of other Michael, mm-hmm. uh, he has, I saw there were really good reports on him and I think he might have been an early enrollee too. Yeah, he, he was like practicing with the starters this spring yeah so the slot guy guys like uh jalen red and johnny johnson were playing a lot last year and did not have great results especially johnson i think he might just kind of disappear they're remarkably mediocre uh they have the transfer juan johnson from penn state but i'm not convinced he's particularly good so i actually really slow mike williams oh slow mike williams like the syracuse mike williams uh the clemson one Oh, I didn't really. I thought he was like six one two. I thought he, I thought he was a big boy. He's pretty big. I, I could be wrong. I thought he was more just like heavy he, than he tall. He almost looked tight endish at, at times last year. With yeah, it's like he catches it and it's like looks oh. like Delaney Walker or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not convinced he's particularly good. He's at least got the age advantage at this point. So there's that that could make him productive. But yeah, I like Micah Pittman's chances of emerging as the lead receiver there. Yeah, I, I think I do too. Um, and then I guess the the headliner as far as receivers go in this conference obviously it's lavisca chenault out of colorado that is insane yes i mean like i was looking again at those numbers last year target share was it like 40 oh i don't it was something really high and the thing is like he was putting up like 30 fantasy points per game in the first five or six games just as a receiver but then he also had like six rushing touchdowns in that span oh my god yeah so it's like he would he would just like catch every pat every bit of like from scrimmage production in between the 20s and then they got to the 20 i guess what is, what is that wildcat or are they just uh, doing jet sweeps with him i thought they were doing more like sweep action okay. with him but yeah it's like he can he's a player to very seriously consider i think ranking in your like top three nationwide just because he could do justin blackman michael crabtree things where it's just stupid production okay so here's what i'm looking at right now so over the course of the full season he owned a 29 percent target share which is really high but that's with three games missing on average in the games that he played 40%. Okay. That's insane. Yeah, that, that checks out. And um, I mean, they have that, what is it, Katie Nixon back, but like mm-hmm. the Winfrey guy is gone. Right. So uh, Chenault and Montez is back for a fourth year. So it's like, I, I, I know he got hurt last year, but 
he can't fail otherwise like there's just there's just no chance that he's not like a top 10 player in my opinion yeah Chenault's an amazing player and and the role it really I mean like that that can be like the tiebreaker in, in college fantasy is just like if if that guy is seeing just the most insane role a role that like no one else is even coming close to and in Chenault's case a 40 percent target share over the course of 12 games that's just preposterous I mean we're talking like what like 170 targets at that point even more honestly he's one of those guys he's one of those guys you just feel stupid thinking about the projection for because you're you're just you find yourself writing in like 40 fantasy points per game and you're like well that can't be right but then you also have to you're basing it on past production you can't just like make up uh the basis for your projections and it's like you kind of have to with him you have to just say like no i have to project that you know something something will just go wrong relative to his past standards because i can't project a guy to have like a billion points all right so uh level with me here so two years ago when he was a freshman did colorado have any nfl level receivers that would make colorado want to redshirt a guy like this chenault yeah oh um i'm trying to remember i guess they had uh shea fields and who was also a pretty high four star i think and there was a there's somebody there was like a bigger player than him that i can't remember uh anyway it's 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 one of those things where i i would well, not hold mcintyre's this. fired now because for for many reasons but um he also redshirted lavisca chanel bryce bobo was in bryce one bobo rec- that's was in one receiver <laughs> how do i forget bryce bobo and devin ross devin ross yeah so those were three pretty good receivers but um chanel would have been the best of them as a oh, true freshman i lied he he did play but he just barely played oh maybe he got hurt or something and then they redshirted him uh they did they did not so i i misspoke there so okay well mcintyre you're off the hook for now for now we'll uh, get you i mean his when you get hired somewhere else we'll be watching very oh, wait, closely when Ole miss gets stomped this year like they're he's their defensive coordinator now. oh is that what he's doing okay it's, it's gonna be bad uh yeah that is that, that's how it's pronounced i believe uh but yeah otherwise i'm, I'm just trying to look back over the pack 12 quick and like amon that the, the three receivers at usc all look pretty good oh, yeah. they're gold um but yeah even even with vaughn's having the weird down year i have to think he's gonna come back more like his freshman year where he was so uniquely good and um otherwise the uh you know the Oregon State guy uh Hodgins Isaiah Hodgins looks pretty legitimate I think I I know people are probably looking at that offense and taking sides of like are you Hodgins or are you Bradford I would say Hodgins is easily the better player like I think Bradford if anything is someone I wouldn't be eager to pay the price for whatever it is yeah it seems like people are are kind of in, in on him more so than hodgins but hodgins more than hodgins i think so wow did, did bradford I, have like better production last year or something no he 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 had more like carries i guess you can imagine more ways he would get involved and maybe, maybe he's just one of those guys who does a lot of jukes and stuff so people th- are easily entertained by that i don't know but yeah, hodgins okay. has really good numbers and he was like the best um the best recruit that they've had in a long time really i didn't actually know his recruiting that's bradford or hodgins hodgins like i remember when, when they got him i was like oh what they got a four-star receiver hmm really yeah i didn't what i didn't happened? realize that i assumed he was just kind of like some you know diamond in the rough that they stumbled into yeah he's he's a good player but um yeah he's he's good and i i just i mean looking at the numbers last year i know he had like a 200 yard game against nevada but it it wasn't like empty calorie numbers the rest of the way like he had other big games and i think he got nicked up a couple weeks after that 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 would explain like a, a downward blip yeah but i think he's their number one receiver and i, I think i think it's uh, <laughs> not to not to traumatize anyone but I, I think it's kind of like 
Hodgins will be what Villeman was supposed to be there, and oh. uh, Bradford's just Victor Bolden. It's like good player or whatever, but uh, Victor Bolden only was as productive as he was because Villeman just I don't know got fat or something. Because uh, yeah, it's th- those those slot guys who do lots of jukes, all people like them a lot all the time. But uh, Hodgins is like six three, six four. Uh, was really good for his age level last year, and now he has. Um, I, I also I, I want to mention I I think Jake Luton is really bad. I know his numbers were okay last year, but I think this uh, the the uh, what is Tristan Gebbia? Yeah, the two Nebraska transfers actually Tristan Gebbia and then uh, what's the other Tyjon Lindsay? Yes, uh, those two guys are both pretty interesting, and I would I would actually be really worried about Lindsay if I was a Bradford investor because it sounds like they kind of do similar things except uh Lindsay was like a really t- coveted recruit who's definitely fast if nothing else yeah so uh, i think once that once they move off of luton and make the right decision at, at quarterback and get gebbia man there. i don't remember what game it was but i saw luton it, it was like a week one scenario a couple of years ago it's like san jose state or something like, yeah it was it, traumatic watching him like it was it was I've, i told you over the the messenger the slack messenger like he's my new john o'corn <laughs> where it's like casual football observers are like wow it's an experience senior there got pretty good numbers if now that i'm looking at him and i'm I'm just like screaming in the background like he sucks and like no one's listening Um, but yeah like i had i had some uh michigan football like fan site twitter account go after me because i just (laughs) when he transferred there i was i just tweeted out something like oh john o'corn worst quarterback i've ever seen literally the worst i've ever seen because i saw him when he was on Houston, just completely crater against like UTSA or something like that. Just very difficult to watch. But yeah, like these Michigan guys are just like, you idiot. He's an experience. He had one of the best freshman seasons ever. And I was like, you you just wait, bub. You just wait till Jake Rudock doesn't let him get on the field. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is my new John O'Corn, uh, Jake Luton, my my uh, fake enemy. I'm excited for that. I, I'm. I actually wish him the best. I just don't. I just don't think he's very good. He's not. Yeah. Um, any other uh, parting shots here before we uh, before we sign off regarding the Pac-12? Uh, not really. I guess we'll uh, try to get through more of, of especially like your areas of, of analysis over some of these other conferences in the upcoming weeks. Because, um, yeah, that's uh, uh, John runs a college football section that is uh, better than any other sites, despite some misconceptions folks might have. Yeah. That, yeah. So we're, we got it going on. Uh, a couple guys I'll just kind of like toss out there as teasers, specifically from the SEC uh, landscape. Uh, Missouri has a guy named Larry Roundtree uh, who has no who no longer has really any competition for carries. He was competing uh, last year with Demaria Crockett, um, but he bested him. Uh, now this is going to be a more run heavy offense. They have Kelly Bryant, not Drew Locke back there, so they don't they're not going to be throwing. They're still at tempo much. though, right? Uh, yeah, they they were like. Who was running that team? It was Dooley. They they ran about like seventy five ish. Oh, that's right. I was so afraid that Dooley would undo the hypo progress, but it actually looked more like the hypo. Yeah, it was it was totally fine last year. So like functional and good passing game, good run game. So I think Roundtree has a legitimate chance to lead the SEC in, in rushing yards uh, this year, and that is accounting for for DeAndre Swift. I think Georgia has a much deeper running back pool, and I think you need to take that into account uh, with your pricing of him, uh, especially if Zamir white is healthy then like there's no way he's not getting carries whereas larry roundtree only has to compete with guys like tyler Beatty and simi bakare and i mean roundtree's a guy that can average 
over five, over five and a half yards per carry at least, and, and that's going against the SEC, and he's going to be getting over 200 carries. So like that, that could be a lot to of touchdowns, too, with a, a player like Bryant making the, the gaps wider. Yes, and, I, um, I have him for 12 touchdowns uh, right now. I would take the over, honestly. 12.8, so we could round up 13. Yeah. Um, and then another one more I want to get into uh, John Emery uh, you should be high on he's a recruit for LSU LSU is I mean they're always in win now mode but uh, Nick Brosette was the worst running back they've had starting all for time. a while I mean and he wasn't terrible but he wasn't good um, and the guy behind him is pretty terrible <laughs> okay fine. I guess they're often I guess no one had it that great last year but uh, 4.3 at LSU except, except against Georgia um, it's not like I spent a lot of money to go to that game or anything but um yeah, Clyde's Edward, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is their you know more more senior uh, running back, but he's worse than Brosette was. Uh, Emery, the best running back recruit they've had since Darius Geis, uh, and he you know I'm not saying he's as good as Darius Geis right now, but I mean coming into school, he's on that level. He's one of the best running backs in the nation. Like I think only Trey Sanders, Trey Sanders who went to Alabama, uh, rated above him he was what kind of back is he is he like a 220 already or is yeah he's oh, okay. yeah he can do it all um he can do all three downs i think um so he was committed to georgia for a while flipped to lsu he is an uh, louisiana native um i think at the very least he can break leonard fournette's freshman rushing record which is oh, like wow. 1100 yards or something okay yeah that would that would be a, pr- a pretty encouraging start for him. Yeah, so I, I have him firing it up. Uh, we'll see how much LSU wants to involve him in the passing game, but whatever they throw at him, uh, I'm fairly confident that he'll be able uh, to handle it. So those are the two uh, running backs out of the SEC that I wanted to point out. We'll get into a deeper dive of the SEC on a different podcast. We'll get back to it. Um, but for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. This was the Rotowire NFL Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.